Yep, so we're going to read Galatians. I'm adding a verse because I'm up here and I wanted to. Um, yep, that's how it works. So we're going to read 10. I'm not sure it's going to be on the screen, but that's fine. So let, but let's read from Galatians 1, 10 through 24. It's on page 823 in your Bibles in the pews. I am, now tr- I am now trying to win the approval of men or of God. Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. Nor did I, or I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. When God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stay with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother, I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is, not, is no lie. Later, I went to Syria and Cecilia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are, in, that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. The word of the Lord. So, a couple of things this morning um, that I find helpful about the book of Galatians. Um, kind of one of these, one of the big works. If you, oh, I'm not on, that's right. Thanks, guys. This is why I, this is why I should listen to Mike and not turn off my mic, so thank you. Um, one of the things, when I, when I think of Galatians, does, did anybody remember, that whenever I'm turning to books in the New Testament, especially Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, General, oh no, yeah, oh, Colossians. I always remember the General Electric Power Company. Did anyone learn that? Okay, I know, okay. Anybody? Am I the only one? No, okay. I am the only one. Wow, this, this is awkward. Um, so, but no, it's so Galatians, this, uh, the second uh, book of Paul's letters, or no, uh, third. Galatians, um, it was written, which is kind of interesting. Normally what Paul did when he was writing these letters, or he had like a, someone to write the letters for him, he was writing them to a particular church in mind, right? He, um, so w- the letter to the Ephesians was to the church in Ephesus. Romans, of course, was to the church in Rome. Uh, Corinth. You see, this is, that was how he was normally doing it. Or he had a person in mind. Well, Galatians is interesting because it's not like that. Paul... As we remember, if, if, in his first missionary, missionary journey that the book of Acts tells us about, he went to um, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and kind of right in that middle section. 
there was an area of Turkey at that time, of Asia Minor, known as Galatia. So this is a book that Paul's writing to a group of churches in this area. There's no city of Galatia. It's just an area. So I, I like to remind it. So Paul's writing this to a, a variety of people. And to people, to churches, that he helped start very early on in his ministry, in, his, in the missionary journeys that we think of. And our story today reminds us that Paul was doing a lot of stuff even before that. But these are kind of what we're reminded of. And so in this story, Paul feels, for whatever reason, that he needs to, to share this story with the Galatian church, or the churches in Galatia. And you can imagine them, you know, I just like to think of the, the person uh, sitting in the pew, probably in the church in that area, you may have a smaller village church, and they're listening to someone read this letter, and they're like, ah, oh, there Paul goes again, sharing this story. We know, we've heard it a million times. Every time you were here, every week, you brought up this story of how God came to you on the road to Damascus, how Jesus, you know, sent this light, having you falling off your horse, and, you're, and, you, and Jesus speaks to you. We get it. You had this miraculous experience. You don't have to remind us all the time. Just imagine, you know, Paul being one of those people. And it's interesting, because as he's sharing the story, we get, we get it kind of fleshed out a little bit than we did, than, we, than if you read the book of Acts. You know, in the book of Acts, we, we see this, and then Paul kind of retreats in Damascus for a while, and God sends someone to come talk to Paul, and Paul gets convinced. And then that's kind of the last thing we hear about Paul for a while. So when Paul's retelling his story, he's filling in some of these gaps for us who you know, didn't hear this firsthand account from Paul. And he's, he's sharing to us how you know, he didn't go to Jerusalem. He didn't go to the places where you'd think to, to kind of test out this, this vision, this, this calling he got from Jesus. Instead, he went the complete opposite way. And he went to Arabia. And then later to Damascus, again to Damascus. And he spent this time. And, he, and he's telling this to the Galatian church. I didn't do, I didn't go directly to Jerusalem. I didn't go seek the approval of the denominational headquarters in Jerusalem. Instead, I went out and I, to share this, this message that I had received from God from all these people in Arabia and then again in Damascus. And which I find is really interesting. Because it tells us a little bit, this story that, this, this retelling of this story that Paul has, this miraculous experience, it kind of, it shares to us, it share, he's sharing with us what his relationship was with the churches in, in Galatia at that time, right? You know, Paul, who would have known these churches well, would have known these people well, having helped set up, helped plant these churches. Now he's having to remind them of who he is. And so you look, even look back to verse 10, the reason why I started with this, it says, I am, now, or am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. Well, it seems at this point in history with the churches in Galatia, there's some tension. There's some tension between Paul 
who helped found these one of the founding preachers of these churches, and with the Galatians themselves. There's something going on. And it's, mo- and it's probably like what Paul's saying, and he's addressing in verse 10, that he's being accused and his authority is being in question. Oh, Paul, don't listen to Paul. He's just a people pleaser. You know, he, of course, of course he's going to tell you that you Gentiles don't need to keep kosher food, right? He's trying to get you to follow him. He's trying to do these things. Of course he's going to make it easier for you. But, you know, we Jewish Christians who are coming to your church to preach, we know that God's, the way of God is hard. It's difficult. It's a way that you can have these firm rules to follow. And so don't listen to Paul. He's not really a servant of God. He just wants to please people. He wants to please you. Make the way of following Jesus so much simpler and not affecting your entire life. It's not life-changing. And so the church in Galatia, they're thinking, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, it might make sense. You know, that Paul would want to do that. And, so, and, and they start buying into what these Jewish Christians who are coming around and telling them that, yeah, Paul is just a people pleaser. What authority does he have anyway? He didn't go see the, the people in Jerusalem. He didn't go talk to the apostles when he first got this vision. How do we even know that even happened, maybe they're thinking. You tell this story all the time. How do we even know? And so the the Galatian churches, the churches in that area, start to wonder, maybe maybe Paul's not the real deal. And as as we'll learn later in the book, that they start really living in to what these Jewish Christians the negative term for them being the Judaizers, what they're, 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 they're buying in, the Galatian Christians, to what they have to offer. Maybe we should adopt these principles. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe we should become Jews, just like them. And so they begin, the Galatian churches are having this swirling around in their head, well, by whose authority? Whose authority do we follow? Who's the leader of the church at this time? What are we supposed to do? I think a lot of us can relate to what the Galatians are going through in our time. There's so much confusion about authority. I, you know, I'm a big news junkie. Um, I'm a big facts junkie. I was that kid who at eight years old was like, could, could have a fact for everything, right? Like a random, obscure fact. I knew it, I could tell you it, and you just have to trust me because I didn't know where I read it, but I had it. And I'm still like that. I, you know, I would, I would I'd read something uh, exciting, maybe a scientific thing, you know, like, I don't know, like coffee again is healthy for you or it's not healthy again. It depends on the day, right? And I would go to my roommate and I'd tell him, hey, like, like, did you hear this thing? And he's just like, yeah, says who? It's like, well, you know, they, they say it. You know, we all know who they is, right? Yeah, the, the they. I don't know, the people that the New York Times cited or, you know, it's that like website that tells us the thing we really like to believe. So we're just going to trust it anyway. It's they, it's they. We all know who they is. And I think that we, a lot of us, like I fall into that camp of, trusting in these sources so much, not because I'm too lazy to do the work. Have you ever tried to like tried to like look up these claims? You get you get 
you get these like big, long scientific articles, and it's just like, who wants to read that? I'm just trying to enjoy my morning, and you're asking me to read this article to like, yeah. Or we become like my roommate, who's just so suspicious of everything that comes out in the news that they, you just can't believe anything. You just always are cynical and like, no, 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 no. Like, that can't be true. That can't be true. We just kind of push away and push at authority, not allowing any authority to come into our lives. And so many of us, because of the time that we live in, we're, try, we're wrestling with where, where is authority? Who has authority? What does it look like? You know? and, and we know that there are people you know, trying to grab and grasp at authority and trying to grab our attention and prove to us that they are authoritative in our lives. You should listen to this. You should listen to me, not that person. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. Listen to me, and here's why. Let me explain this to you. And I think what happens a lot of times is we start to question a lot of things, and we don't really know why we believe the things we believe, and it starts to, you know, it makes us anxious about what's going on. Why do I believe these things? And I think a good example of that is the Bible. You know, this book, this holy Bible, the one that a lot of us read every day or most days, the one that we, we trust and put our hope in, we start to wonder... Why do, we, why do we believe this? Why do we put our faith, why do we put our hope, why do we trust in the Bible? I'm sure a lot of us have thought that in our lives. And so for some of us, in a time where authority is called into question, authority is confused, we start to have a couple of different responses to the authority of the Bible. Maybe we're those people who, we need to prove with scientific accuracy that the Bible is true, that you can trust in it, that, that you know, like, you know, all these things happen, and, you know, I'm going to make sure my friends know, here's the science behind this, I'm going to prove it to you, and so that you can put your faith in the Bible, and I'm going to show you why. Trust me, I'm the one who's going to help give the Bible authority and credit. Or maybe we're on the opposite side, and we're like, well, it's just a book. Like, you know, God works through all different things. That's not a big deal. You know, just if, it, if, you, if you appreciate it, if it's speaking to you at that moment, then that, that's going to give it enough authority that it needs. Don't worry too much about it. And so, this time that we live in, much like the Galatians, trying to figure out, trying to to analyze all the confusion surrounding authority. Who has authority? What is authority? What is authoritative for our lives? How do we understand those things? And Paul, God bless him, Paul has something to say about that. Much like most things that we as Christians deal with, Paul's probably got something to say about it. Kind of like me with all the facts that I had as a kid. Paul's got something to say. And Paul, he, he goes on. And I think this is, this is interesting because when you read this passage, it's kind of like, okay, great. Like, this is nice. 
your, your story. Um, a lot of times, Pat, this passage is preached. We talk about, we, we kind of just talk more about Kuga, um, about Paul's calling. And as I was reading a lot of the commentaries um, and, and all that, they were talking about that, that that's true, but there's also this other thing that's going on in this passage. So Paul's not sharing his call story to kind of set up this example to Christians of that time. This is how God's going to call you. you know, you're going to have this epiphany on the road, and that's how you know you're going to be saved and what you're supposed to do. Paul's not saying that. What Paul's doing in this call story is he's trying to defend his authority to be a leader in the church. He's defending himself against these, you know, Jewish Christians who are saying he's just a people pleaser. He doesn't even go to the, you know, the church in Jerusalem to, to get his authority. But Paul reminds the Galatians, the gospel that I'm presenting you, the one that's different from those Jewish Christians, the one who are telling you to do these certain things, the gospel I'm presenting to you, that's the authoritative one. Because it's a gospel that is life-changing. It's a gospel that matters. And Paul, he makes it very clear that his authority, you're right, he's telling the, the Galatian churches, you're right, my authority does not come from the church in Jerusalem. It doesn't come from any person. It comes from the only person that matters, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the one who called me on the road. He's the one who gave me a meaning, a purpose in my life. He's the one who turned my life around when I was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, to literally take them, to kill them. He's the one who made it so that my life is completely different. Paul even reminds the churches in Galatia that he was so zealous for Judaism that he was, and he was so advanced beyond his years that he, he was like such a good Jewish person. Nothing could have changed his mind except the only thing that matters. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's a gospel... If that's a gospel that could change Paul's mind, if that's the gospel Paul's telling the churches in Galatia, if that could change my life, what more authority does it need? What more authority does the gospel of Christ need? What more credibility do I need to show you? I'm not showing you this. I'm not, I'm not saying that I have authority because I'm a powerful, spectacular guy. That was the old Paul. That was Saul, right? What his name was before, you know, the, the, the conversion story. That was Saul. He's the one who was saying, yeah, look at me. Look at my accomplishments. I'm a good Jewish person. I got all these Christians we're about to kill. No, the new Paul is the one who says, my authority rests only on what God has done for me. It's not because of me. It's because of what God has done in me. That's where the authority lies. That's where this gospel, this life-changing message that Christ died for our sins and he rose again to invite us into life with him. That's the message that Paul has for the churches in Galatia. The one that they've abandoned and think is too easy. Paul, you've been a people pleaser. 
we want to follow the other thing. The one with all the rules. Yeah, rules. Mm-mm, rules. That's not the gospel. That's not what Paul, that's not what gives him his authority. It, it's not the fact that he is a Jewish Christian, that he, he reached out to Peter, he reached out to the brother of James. That's why Paul, he's saying, yeah, I, I eventually got around to talking with them. No big deal. You know, he's, I think he's kind of throwing a little bit out there just to kind of give the people what they want. But he's saying that this is the gospel. This is why this matters. This is why the Bible is authoritative. This is what authority gives me, that, I, you know, that gives me authority. It's the gospel message of Christ that comes from him, not from any other human beings, only from the Son of God, the perfect human being. And I've got to be honest, I think, this is, I think this is like so counterintuitive to what I would do, right? I would, if I was writing to the churches in Galatia, I would say, look, I can send you a copy of my Calvin Seminary diploma. I also have my credentials from the uh, Classes Columbia in my office if you'd like to see them. That's where I get my authority. Like, that's what I would be like very quick to be pointing out. But Paul's not saying that. He doesn't mention his education. He doesn't mention all these people that he knows. Instead, all that matters, the authority that he has the authority that the Bible has, the authority that, any, that our faith has is because of what Christ has been doing in us, what Christ is, is doing in our lives. I think what Paul is sharing, what, what Paul is doing in this letter, in this particular section, what he's, what he's doing is something that I think that, I'm, that I do a really bad job of, is that he's sharing his faith story in a lot of ways. He's, he's sharing with the churches in Galatia probably for the millionth time, but he's sharing with them the story of how God was at work in his life and is still at work in his life. And it's something that I think that we as a church are invited into that practice to remind ourselves of what God is doing in our lives. We share those stories with each other to remind ourselves that it's not about what we do, the power that we have, the authority that we have built, that we have not achieved these things but that God has been working in our lives to give us that authority to speak into things in each other's lives and to share those things with our friends and family, especially those who are not believers. And so I think it's really helpful, and this has been something that's helpful for me too, that I don't have to prove. I don't have to prove to my friends, my family members who aren't believers, why the Bible is truthful or why, you know, like God is real and all that stuff. That's up to God. He's the one at work. He's the authority. Christ has done all the work for us. And so instead, all we have to do is share those stories with each other. And God's going to use those stories and move in other people's lives. Like he did in Paul's, right? Paul was a pretty miraculous case, probably because Paul seemed a little bit hard-headed. God needs to make miracles on someone like him, right? But 
for a lot of us, God's at work in our lives even before we realize it. I'm sure we all have. There's so many stories in this room. I've heard some of them about the ways in which God has been at work in our lives from the beginning. I mentioned in Sunday school this morning how when you're in the middle of something, it can be so hard to, to figure out why it's happening. And it's only afterwards that you begin to realize, ah, what God was up to, what God was doing. And I think that in this story, Paul invites us to remind ourselves it's not about what we've done, but what God has been doing in us. That gives us our authority to speak into each other's lives, to speak into the lives of of our friends and families, and to share with them that gospel message, which has the power to turn someone's life around, to turn Paul's life around, and to turn our lives around as well. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, sometimes we want to be the ones to have that authority or to know exactly what that authority looks like, to be able to, to know tangibly where that authority is so that we can, we can use it. But Lord, we are thankful that the authority is you, that this, this book that we trust in, the Bible, that this gospel message that we believe in, that we share with our friends and family, it's authoritative not because of any person or not because of any mortal person, but because of the person of your son Jesus who died on the cross to save us from our sins and to call us and to live a new life with him. And then that, that message, that the authority that is, is given to that message does not come from us. It comes from you. And we see that it comes from you because of the power that it has. The power to shape and transform so many lives all across the world and all, even in our towns and even in us. Lord, we thank you for the authority that this message has. We pray that we're willing to allow that authority to shape our lives every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.